So quick announcement before we get into the show today. I want to tell you that at the beginning of February, the show is going behind a paywall. To listen to the shows, I'm going to ask you to join the Smaller Fish Extended Panel. For €5 Euros plus fat a month, you'll get exclusive access to 16 shows guaranteed. You've over 17 hours entertainment guaranteed for the price of a pint. Benetti Menswear was a short-term sponsorship deal. It's not easy to get brands to take on a new show for a year, and I don't have any sales team to be dealing with it, you know, month on month. Big brands that could afford yearly sponsorship that can be very hard to deal with. They worry about things that I don't worry about, like political correctness, gender balance, you know, amongst the pundits. I don't feel I would be in control of my own show, and that's not what I want. And I don't think it's what you guys listening want either. So I'm asking all of you to be my bosses. The show is going to be led by you, the subscribers. Um, that means no ads whatsoever on the show. I felt my old show, the GER, was going to go behind a paywall. Um, the show hadn't been sponsored in two years, and I had a meeting with the new bosses about the subscriber model. And my thinking was that GA people might be more inclined to give me their fiver, another GA man, you know, trying to do it on my own independently of any media than to give it to a big media um, company. So starting in February, we're going to be members of the Smaller Fish Extended Panel. You'll have to go on patreon.com or download the Patreon app at the end of the month and search for Smaller Fish. So along with the 16 shows, you get priority notice to live shows and exclusive entry to our end of year AGM where you can meet the team. I'll even buy you a pint. That's one of your months back, one of your uh, fivers plus fat um, back. So that's it. We're going to have a very big extended panel next year. I don't want to see any faces in any of you because you're all going to see game time throughout the year. Yeah, I've spoken to the players and uh, we've had a full and frank discussion and uh, we all agree that the uh, Smaller Fish guys are not just accredited clubs and their counties but uh, to homo sapiens all over the world. I want nothing to do with that podcast, absolutely not. The Smaller Fish, not for me, no way. We're only the small little fish out there so we are and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the brakes when you're the Smaller Fish. Welcome along to Woolly Meats here on Smaller Fish. We're in association with Benetti Menswear, one of Ireland's leading menswear suppliers. So Colin Boyle retired from Intercounty Football after 14 years of service before Christmas. I don't think he did any interviews since, so I think this is a Smaller Fish exclusive. How's it going, Colin? Can you confirm this? Colin, how are things? Yeah, yeah. first uh, first national interview, shall we say, yeah. So uh, all good besides, hope you're keeping well. So you probably did a you probably did a local one. You're you're mad for the local interviews and the lo- you kind of the Mayo News is the big one down there, isn't it? Yeah, the Mayo News is definitely definitely a big one here down here. So yeah, kept it local first column, you know yourself. You you don't actually do many interviews. Like I mean it's the old cliche, but I think it actually it kind of works perfectly for you. You do your talking on the field. <laughs> Yeah, even though funnily enough, kind of earlier in my career, I, I, I saw, always seemed to get put up for the for the media nights um, for the first couple of years, but thankfully that kind of died off as time went on. Maybe I was, I was a bit too boring for them or something like that. So uh, yeah, I wouldn't have done a whole pile through, throughout the year, small bits here and there, but um, yeah, we'll see we'll see from now on will that change, I'm, I'm not too sure. So so how was the, the retirement decision? Was it easy enough? Like, I mean, I suppose you're 36 this year. Yeah, 36 in July. I was very easy calling, to be honest. Like, it was definitely uh, at the start of the year, it was 100% um, going to be it for me. Um, to be honest, like, before that, uh, the year before, December 2020, when we, after we lost the, 
the Christmas All Ireland, should we should we call it to, to Dublin? Like that was I, in my own head, that was me done at that stage. So, um, you know, a couple of things changed my mind and came back, and you know, I was I was completely glad I did. I really enjoyed the year. Obviously, finished in a, in a disappointing um, note, um, but really enjoyed it. Um, delighted I came back and gave it another, gave it another go. Didn't work out as we planned, but uh, yeah, no, it was definitely time, definitely time for me to go. No doubt about it. I'm interested in you saying that you really enjoyed it because you got you didn't get any game time really except for a small bit in one of the games. Like, and I can't imagine the way you play. You're a very good spectator. No, yeah, that's no, definitely not, definitely not. Um, we, might, we might talk about a little bit more about that later on, but definitely, yeah, no, it, it was tough. There's no doubt about it, and definitely being a sober and being kind of at the, at the other end of the panel, it definitely opened up my eyes to, you know, something I probably wouldn't take as much notice of throughout the years. You know, when you're playing, yeah, pretty much every game you're starting or you're coming on in games, and then you know to have that for the guts of whatever ten years and to experience the other side of the game where. You're kind of fighting to get in the 26, and sometimes you're not making the 26, and then you're making the 26, but you're not getting game time on top. But it, it like it's completely different, other end of the scale for county players. You know, it's it, it's really difficult place to be, um, because you're literally just fighting week on week to, to to make a squad, and if you don't make it, or if you don't get game time, like it it is, it can be disheartening. You know. Well, that's the thing. Like I mean, I, like I was blown away by Bernard Brogan when he retired, and he he was like he didn't make the 26 for for an All-Ireland and then he made the 26 for the replay and he was delighted like I mean I remember if I was playing and you're just scraping on the 20, 26 and these this is the likes of you and him who are multiple All-Ireland or multiple All-Star winners like I mean how can you change to to being delighted to get on the 26 like I mean is, does it take you a while to kind of come around to that or it, it does yeah and look at the same time you have to be realistic too when you're when you're getting that bit older you have to realize look there's that yeah true there's look it'd be, it'd be a lot worse case scenario if you've been thrown in for a male point of view if i've been starting every game last year when there was other lads that would have been in a better position to do so and be more effective for 70 minutes so it was a far better case that them were the boys that were playing they were the boys that were starting and getting game time rather than me you know so right. from that point of view i suppose the year before the 2020 didn't make the squad for for the final against dublin in december and like that was that was really really disappointing you know you referenced uh, bernard there how disappointed he was um you know i was gutted absolutely gutted not to make the the 26 because i like I, I thought at the time that was going to be messed um out in for mayo or left game right. involved with mayo so Come back the following year. I think I made the twenty six. As you you said, I didn't play a lot of game time. And you're right, yeah, I didn't. I didn't play a whole lot of game time. Uh, I think I made the panel for for all games, league and championship. But yeah, game time was limited. At the same time, funnily enough, really really enjoyed training. Uh, loved going to train and loved the challenge of, you know, intercounty training and just having to be at one hundred percent. Or you know, if you're not at one hundred percent and you're not Tommy Connor, you're not going to run or run or train or whoever it may be, you're, you know, you're going to be skint. So it's that challenge of going to train and, um, and having to be, be at your best, you know, I, I actually really, really enjoyed that. Right, okay. How, how did that conversation with James Horan go then when you didn't get on the 26th? Like, I mean, this is a doggy, this is a tough business. Like, I can, you know, can only imagine, you know, him telling you that after all your service. Yeah, look, it was, it was very, very quick. Um, to be honest, yeah, look, last year was just such a strange year. I, I did my cruise in February anyway, you know, so when I did the cruise in February, I had pretty much the year written off um, yeah. anyway, and then obviously COVID, it, everything gets pushed back. Um, so you're kind of thinking, as you know, the months go on, geez, can, could I get back here and get back playing uh, for a championship? 
Um, funnily enough, the way it turned out, I think we played West Common like first weekend of November or something like that. And a mate, or sorry, Leitrim first and then West Common on April 26th for the, for the first two squads of the year. Um, probably more in default than Anthony. I probably didn't really deserve it. I think we had a couple of injuries at the time. Um, and then you're obviously thinking, geez, could I get in here and could I, could I get some game time? But didn't make the squad then for the kind of final against Galway. Uh, that was kind of the first time really not being involved in a squad for, for a championship game. And it, like, it was really strange because at that time with COVID, if you didn't make the squad, you weren't allowed to go to the game. Right. So you're literally sitting at home watching the game in your front sit room. But Laura, my wife, actually was working that day and she came home. About 20 minutes to go and the game's in the melting pot and I'm just literally up on the couch and maybe <laughs> point or two in it go away really coming back at it and that was probably one of the most difficult days actually because you know it was going through my head all the games you played Mayo all the, all the years playing and you're into county career could literally end here sitting in your sitting room like it was really strange and right then after that we played Tipperary Dublin didn't make the 26 I suppose the only consolation was that the, the is that why you came back the next day because like all your vintage well a lot of your vintage kind of went um you know that winter or ended to the january before the next year started did you not want to leave it on that is that why you came back for the for the next year um might have something to do with that there was there was a couple of reasons number one was actually in the kind of the lead up to the alarm final so i'd say nearly three weeks out my body started to feel really good and I started to move something like I would expect myself to be moving and I actually found a bit of form which I was hoping was going to be enough to kind of push me into a 26 for, for all Ireland um, the, for the All-Ireland final so that there was that playing in the back of my head there was also the fact that it was due to be a short turnaround there was literally only meant to be a couple of weeks off and everyone be straight back in it yeah um, that went that change as 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 the way it turned out with just the, the number of COVID cases or whatever it was in January. But uh, there was that. And then just a general conversation with James. So obviously a load of lads dropped around the same time. Um, I was thinking in the back of my head that I was kind of going as well. And I just rang James and we just had a very quick... I kind of rang him with the attention of thinking, you know, if he gives me any invitation here that he wants me to go, then I'm gone. And then but straight away, first thing he said was, you know, you're not thinking about doing anything stupid, you still have plenty to offer here. So once he said that, I, I, to be honest, it was a hundred percent back in. There was no, um, there was no turning back at that stage. Right. Okay. An interesting, interesting one. You're, you're, you're a strange one in that you have four all-stars. Um, usually when you think of someone who's won four All-Stars, you know, they're they're straight out of under 21 onto the team. They're making a big impression. You started in 2008 with John O'Mahony and it didn't go too well for you. You were cornerback. Um, I don't think it's your best position. Anyways, it's a dreadful position to play in. But you, it didn't go too well and he didn't pick you then. And then in James Horan's first year, 2011, he didn't pick you that year. Like you spent maybe three, almost four years completely in the wilderness. Like, I mean, what, what were you doing, I suppose, for those three or four years? <laughs> That's a good question, to be honest, Colin. Yeah, it's, look, it's a very strange one. And like you're touching it there, the 2008 John O'Mahony year, like I would have come off that like really, really low, um, just on general confidence. Um, actually, we rewind a couple of years before that, 2006, we, we actually played Cork and the... The Ireland twenty one final and like I, like I, I was always small, but I was like I was really really light then. Like I was basically a child, and I was I was marking Fintan Gould actually. He was just a he was a man mountain really, um, and had a really bad experience marking him. And I think I was gone at, at half time or whatever it was. We, we won the game thankfully, but 
I think it was definitely that definitely scared me um, after that, just confidence wise and everything. You know, fast forward a year or two, and I'm I'm on the senior panel, and even when that kind of final came around, I probably still wasn't ready phys- physically for it. Um, definitely mentally not as well, and had another bad experience that day. So, I suppose my two big games that I played at that time, I was 21, and they're probably the only two games that I played that were probably live on TV or whatever it was, and I knew where right. I was watching. And when you're whipped before half time or half time in both of them games, probably had a huge effect on it. And um, I think I was dropped then. I, I was actually involved in 2009 for the league and I was dropped straight after I didn't get any game time or like that. And yeah, what was I at? I, I, look at I was I was playing for the club, but I was playing really poorly. Um, just probably I wasn't doing the work required, to be honest. I, I didn't, I know it's, it's only, it's not that long ago, it's 2009, but the kind of expertise out there, even strength and condition wise and whatnot, wasn't as readily available as it is now, you know? Yeah. And, I didn't really know what I should be doing in the gym or how to, I was kind of left, you know, you're kind of gone, but you, you know, it went in the plan and kind of, if you do this and this and this, we'll, um, you might get back in or whatnot. It was kind of just the way you go. So I think it was 2010 that really hit, played a, again, I was playing really poorly for the club and we got better than I think an intermediate quarter final. And I just remember a couple of weeks after that game, I was just disillusioned. I, I kind of gone from being a, a decent underage player would have played all the way up through with Mayo. To being on the senior panel to not even being a decent club player within a couple of years you know jesus so it, it was a very very strange time and, and literally i just remember one day around one of my my, my school my old school friends who was doing sports science and well and he kind of gave me a bit of a, a plan of what to do and how you know what to do when you go to the gym and a program that kind of bit of structure to it and just stuck to that and i kind of figured a few things out myself then after that and just worked hard really and got myself into position 2011 played really good for the club and had a really good year at the club. We, we got to the All Ireland Intermediate Final and just got the call back from then from James. And it was, um, you know, things took off from there. But like, you know, you, you can work as hard as you want. But I just got really lucky, Colin, in the fact that obviously I got called back in and you can put it down to, to doing the work and, and all that. But it was the group that I came back into, you know what I mean? Like, it was, it was the look that I talk about. It was a really great group of fellas. Yeah. You know, so we had the nucleus from that don't twenty one team that would have won the alarm to say in two thousand six. So it was the nucleus of them boys in there now that were there, sorry, at the time. And then obviously got a couple of other lads like Andy Andy Moore and Alan Dillon, Pala Gardner were still there, obviously David Clare. Really great fellas, lads like that. So that kind of coming into that kind of team environment um, was just exactly what I needed at the time. And I was, you know, I didn't know I was ready to go at the time or that I was going to be ready for good enough to play at that level but you know as uh, as things took off for me and I started to get a bit of game time and um, I think actually the first start I got that year was against Cork in the in the National League and funny enough it, it was Clinton Gould that was picking up and I really good very good that day yeah so kind of after that game that gave me great confidence and gave me the the you know belief that you could be good enough here and obviously you know things took off for me kind of after that obviously, the more you play you know yourself called the more you play yeah yeah so there was one thing probably confidence you were lacking and obviously the physique. Like I, I was surprised to hear it was Enda Varley had a piece in the in Irish Independent where he says you were a naturally skinny fella. And I always thought you were a naturally stocky fella that you might not need to do weights. But you you tra- obviously transformed your body. Did, did, did you notice the big difference when you came against Gould the next time? Because I remember Gould because Leash were good at that around that time underage Gould was a monster of a of a of an underage player a midfielder a wing forward like did you feel four years later then that a different you know you could match up to him physically 
Um, yeah, he, not only was he a monster, but he was a brilliant player too on top yeah. of it. Um, yeah, I think I was. Even in the year, I was just able to get at him a bit more, like, you know, but a few years, a few years earlier, I definitely wouldn't be able to compete with him. Um, but like I said, I, I think I enjoyed playing that game and I enjoyed being physical with him and enjoyed the battle with him. I think that gave me as much confidence as much as anything because it's not every day, I was thinking after, it's not every day, day you're going to be marking a player with that ability. So, um, yeah, definitely did give me the, the bit of relief that I needed, I, I would think. Yeah, like, but like, I mean, your style of play, you know, that real hard, hard working, no nonsense. Like, I mean, you could kick football too. You could kick some really spectacular scores, especially off the right side of your boot. But you almost became a symbol of that new Mayo team because as you were almost the description of the way you played became the description of the way James Horan wanted Mayo to be seen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do, I suppose. But again, you're talking about look. You know that the, the way the team they were playing, uh, sorry, the way the team played kind of probably suited me and suited the team, I suppose, the way I was playing as well. So, like, yeah, again, the two just came together naturally. And look at it, like, look, you're just really, really lucky. In fact, look at like Leo Keith inside me, like Donny Vaughan inside, and then that and Keith and Jerk Half and Chris Barrett and all these top fellas, Tom Kniff. You know what I mean? So again, you're just really lucky to fall into a into a group of players like that, and we all knitted fairly well together. And then obviously other players came in over the years and established themselves, like like Paddy Durkin and Stevie Cohen and great fellas like that, uh, Brendan Harrison. So um, look, yeah, we all generally knitted in fairly well together. Did like I mean, a committed player, you know, like I mean, there's sometimes that you throw your body in front of things. You're like a wrecking ball. Like there was one time your hand was being held, and I saw. I think it could have been in a league game, and you you die you dived on the ball on the ground with your head and tried to knock it away. Like I mean, you know, like where did this all come from? Were you always like that, or was this this four years maybe not thinking you're going to make it? Do you know what I mean? Was that drive? Would would that have been driving you? Uh, it's hard to tell. Possibly so. I, I, I would think I would have probably always played with a bit of that um, right. style, I would say, even when I was younger, um, even in a kind of less disciplined way, you know, uh, losing the head a small bit and whatnot and, and getting sent off regularly and stuff like that. I think I controlled that a lot better as, as I got older and I was just literally, like I enjoyed that part of the game. Um, I don't know, some people call it the dirty part of the game or whatever it is, but I enjoyed that. I felt if I was doing that, then I was playing well and I was doing a bit for, for the team, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And then obviously other players who are kind of better footballers than me would kind of not not take hard from it, but take, um, you know, if I was doing my job, then obviously it was making their job a little bit easier. But, but that's it. Like people inspire the team in different ways. Like, I mean, it doesn't have to be a great goal or a great point. It could be you making a block down is as good as any kind of spark. You know, that kind of way. That's your role in the team. It can be equally inspirational to a team. I'm sure, you you know, you talked about Boiler, block, a, you know, do something early, stick someone underground, you know, block down as something, you know, get get us going kind of thing. Ah, yeah, look, at it. like I said, it's just not something I naturally like doing. And especially as you said there, early again, if you can do something that you're good at or even not so good at. If you do the early game, it really, really set you up and it can really set your team um, as well. Like, so, so it's really, really important. End of Ali also said in that piece, um, he said, it would have been said a lot that he was a poor defender. James Horan would have been very straight about that. Like, I mean, did James, was James on to you about your defending? Like, I can kind of see where the perception might have been there as a cornerback, but as a centre-back, like, you'd, I don't know, maybe explain how, why you would have been seen as a poor defender. Right, yeah. Um, don't believe everything it tells you. That's all. That's all I say. Um, 
I don't know, maybe yeah, I had a couple of ADB games on India and you might enjoy playing them. And when I was cornerback, you might enjoy that experience. But uh, look at it, it's the same as everything. You learn as you go on. So earlier in my career, I might be a small bit rash and maybe diving in for balls. You know the balls, you know you can't win, but you're still right. You know, that kind of. So obviously with, with experience and with time, you learn that bit more to maybe stay in the feet and not rush into the, to the tackle. If you can't, if you can't initially win that ball, you know, you, you just have to sacrifice. Okay, let, let them win it and then try and stand them up on the first on the first hit. Try try and make that contact early where he doesn't get the momentum to build up and get ahead of steam and go by it, I suppose. Very little things you would have learned over the years, of course, with, with good coaching, not only speaking to James, but also Donald Buckley would have been huge in that as well, Keenan Neal before him as well, as, you know, and James Burke in the last couple of years. So, you know, obviously, the more, the more you play, the more experience you get, and yeah, you learn from these things. Yeah, and but I suppose playing in the half back line as the game changed, you know, over that ten years from eleven until you know pretty much now, the half back line pretty much has a free role a lot of the time now. The half forwards head on back down doing a bit of defending, and then you find yourself coming late on the play, which you you, you know you, you be patient, and then the ball's worked over and back, and then you can come onto a ball and kick a nice point. Do you know what I mean? You you did that on loads of occasions. Yeah, sometimes you just find yourself, as you said there, if the ball's been recycled over and back, and it's something I would have practiced a fair bit because, like, naturally I wouldn't have a massive, massive engine, like, say, like you or in Don, say, Donny, I mentioned Paddy Dark and there, Stephen Cole, like, them boys are literally just up, down, up, down. They don't need to take a breath. Naturally, yeah. more of my game would be kind of more explosive where I'd be able to do a couple of runs like that, but I'd need to do a breather, and I'd nearly have to be the man sitting back, maybe taking a ball, maybe putting it over the far side of the pitch and keeping it moving. But as the play kind of develops, you nearly naturally find yourself in that position where the ball has been almost shoveled out back to you. You might be around the 45. And that shot, I actually would have practiced a fair bit. You know, obviously it didn't come off you know, all the time and whatnot. But that being in that position would be a shot, uh, a shot that I would have practiced a good bit in training. The, the outside of the boot one? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I'd say you did a bit of work on the left as well. I knew by your technique that you were confident enough to try it, but it was also, you know, evident that he's this is still a work in progress. Oh, God, yeah, definitely. <laughs> trying it outside of the left, I know, definitely. Not. No, well, that's impossible. Yeah, no, that's impossible. No, no, you'd be whipped off, I think, if you tried that one. You, you mentioned that you, you're not, you didn't have the engine of a Lee Keegan. Like, I mean, the, the one thing I always remember from doing analysis on, on my last show was the year 2017. You got an all-star, but Stephen Rutchford um, kept taking you off in games. And there was one particular example, I think it was against Kerry. Um, I think you were taken off after about 50 minutes. You were playing great stuff. Um, you know, it was a clearly, you're clearly playing well. And then Stephen Rutcher said after the game, he denied that, you know, it was a pre-planned uh, substitution. You know the way sometimes they do that. And what, what was your thoughts on that? Or what were the conversations you were having? Were you getting frustrated that you were taken off, you know, when you were playing well? Or did you understand it? Uh, I'll, I'll be very honest with you, Colin. There was very little conversation around it. Um, I know the game you referred to there, Kerry, I think the, the drawing game. Um, I think actually the man that came on from that day was Paddy Durkin, who kicked the equalising point four minutes in ginger time. So, you know, I was very aware that with the likes of Paddy on the bench, I think that was nearly one of the first years where we had a really strong panel, you know, and we were nearly able to match teams with our bench. And Paddy was, was on the bench for that game, and he came on for me. And look, a, a lot of people were making big stuff about it at the time, and they were saying that the GPS, that once I hit a certain distance on the GPS, that I was gone, and another rumour was my hamstrings could only take 45 50 minutes and you know there was all sorts of stuff going on but literally there was very little chat between myself and Stephen about it I was just 
conscious of the fact that when I was on the pitch, whether it was 50 minutes or 70 minutes, that I was just going to do what, what I needed to do for, for the team, you know, so there was, no, there was never any issue from my side. Really? Like, I mean, because you'd be entitled in a game you're playing well in to say, here, Jesus, Stephen, you know, what's going on? But you, that wouldn't be your, that you you just get on the bench and you'd support the team. Like, you're probably the complete opposite of me. I'd get on the bench and I'd have a bit of a face on me for a little, for a little while. Oh, yeah, look, I'm not going to say that it was, uh, that I was delighted to see you remember coming <laughs> up on the board or anything like that. But at the same time, you know, I mentioned there, that was Paddy that came on for me that day, you know, that I was aware that the, the, the squad was stronger. And that you know, fresh legs were needed at different times. Um, if, if Anthony had nearly genie me up a small bit for training in on the Tuesday night, if you were taking off a small, you know, on the on twenty minutes to go on the on the previous Sunday or whatever, that right, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know show them I'm gonna get the one for for the for the for the next game. You know, so it was, it, you know, people were making a huge issue at the time. I was I was nearly sick of people talking to me about it and getting a bit fed up hearing about it. But it, look, right. it was what it was. You just can't change what people are going to be. Especially yeah. down here in Mayo, you can't change what they're going to be talking about, you know. Yeah, I'd say it's just non-stop questions about uh, the the intensity of the people that you meet um, when you're down there. But talking about Stephen Rutchford, like, I mean, you got closest to an All-Ireland under Stephen Rutchford. Like, that's fair enough in the two years. Um, he kind of changed your style a little bit. Would that be fair to say, like, used Andy Moran as a, as a target man and kicked a lot more maybe than, than James Horan's team before and James Horan's team now, maybe? Yeah, that could be a fair point, yeah. J- Stephen had a very unique kicking style where he would want nearly, nearly always to be playing that ball forward as quick as possible. Um, there, there's no doubt. I think we still do that um, probably more in a, in a running game, uh, more more so moving the ball forward, but probably more in a running game. At pace, yeah. Yeah, at pace. Stephen would always want you to be kind of looking up if there's a ball 20 yards down the line, just play it, you know, just play it uh, if it's on, obviously, uh, within reason. And yeah, you mentioned there obviously Andy Killing, Jason Dock was a huge ball winner coming to the top of the D first as well. Yeah. They they all mixed and interlinked really well together. Um, you know, Kevin McLach and Aiden obviously as well fitting in into it and Jiren and so um yeah, and I think at the time definitely definitely two thousand seventeen we played some really good football. Um you know, leading up to the final and the final itself, like so, it probably would have led to probably better view and better games and some some of the games we played in. I would say. Yeah, you know, you're definitely a great game to watch. Isn't it weird? Like, I think they were your best teams and I think you played the best football in those years. It's just unfortunate that Dublin were at their very bloody best, you know, at that time for you. And like, you were so, so close to them. How, how do you look back on those two years? Like, I mean, is it frustrating or do you look back on them kind of like, you know, kind of proud of the way you were able to stick it to, or, you know, people say they're the best team of all time? Yeah, look, there's absolutely no doubt about it. They're absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. Probably, probably the best team of, of all time. Um, at the same time, you know, we had so many chances on any given day against them. As good as they were, as brilliant a team as they were, there were days where they were vulnerable in certain periods of games that we probably didn't put enough on the scoreboard um, against them to really, really test them or to get in front of them. You know, if you... If you look back through most thing games through throughout the years, it was probably us nearly chasing them, us nearly coming back at them, rather we we rarely got in front of them maybe four or five points and let them chase us and make it into a different game that way, you know? Yeah. Um so look at yeah, we, we stuck with them or whatever. But I, I still I do I do think at specific times in their especially in their vulnerable times, every team no matter how good they are, they're vulnerable and they were vulnerable at certain times didn't do, I suppose, enough damage on the scoreboard or keep it a bit tighter at the back. 
and you know shipped a couple of scores when we shouldn't ship them. Um, you know, you factor in all those things, and maybe okay, it, you just never know. But I think there's no doubt about it that they're they're just a brilliant, brilliant team. And the, the thing about them is they just found found a way every time. Yeah. And no matter what questions we had of them, they all, they always kind of had an answer. And um, you know, it's, it's disappointing even to hear you say the words. You know, it's it's disappointing to hear, but it's just the reality of, of the situation. Yeah, like even, but like, I mean, so it was goals killed you against them at times too, where you'd start great and the next, like 2013, you know, you flying it in the first half against them and then they got the goals. It wasn't a fair reflection on the half. And that happened in, was it 17 as well, where you were flying it and it was the own goals. You actually, you got one of them and they were, they were such freaky own goals as well. They were almost identical in complete reflex, you know, putting your foot out to the ball. Like this is unprecedented bad luck, really. Yeah, it was 2016 actually. It was um, 16. Yeah, it was, a, it was a really wet day in, in Croker. It was actually the, the drawing game. It's funny, a lot of people have re- actually referenced 2017 in the game. We, we probably should have won or got really close to them. That, six, that game in 16, the drawing game, like I talk about on certain occasions, they were vulnerable. They were definitely small bit vulnerable that day. Um, I think we actually they got 2 4 or something like that in the first half, which would be kind of nearly. On her, like six scores, keeping Dublin six scores in a, in a particular half, you'd be delighted with that. I think it was two, four, and six or something at like that time. The two goals were killers, but look at it. They were, you said they were free goals. They were so. It was, it was the strangest experience I think I've ever had in a football pitch, that actual moment where, when it happened. But I think that the 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 fact that they got the two goals or where the two goals came from, like two really poor defend, uh, defending situations, uh, that was nearly the most disappointing part. Of it. Look at it. it gave them a, an interest and like I said we were chasing them in the second half after that we actually did really well and had a, had a really good second half but again we were kind of relying on killing to kick the, the score unbelievable score six minutes into injury time to, to get to get us to a replay yeah how, how long does it take to get over a loss like like an All-Ireland loss like are, are the would that one where you play really well against a really good team be easier to forget about and get out of your head than maybe, you know, the Donegal or Tyrone one, for example, last year's one where you, you probably didn't do yourselves justice on the day? Yeah, it's, fu- it's funny, like you mentioned Tyrone game this year. Um, obviously, for me, it was a completely different feeling afterward. No one 100% like this. This is me doing. You're not going to be back uh, to have another rattle of it right before like even you mentioned a couple of games there in all, almost the immediate aftermath a couple of days later you know you'd have your couple of drinks or whatever with the lads for the day or two after and then you'd almost be thinking straight away right what do you need to do here for, for next year like that's just the immediate thought that'll be coming into your, into your head once you get over the kind of post-mortem, post-mortem of, of what happened and all the talk and whatever so it's it, it, it was completely different I suppose comparing the Jerome and the, the defeat last year to, to the defeats over the years I suppose yeah yeah like I mean I don't know what it is like I always think you put it up to Dublin obviously because you're you were you had a brilliant brilliant team then you, you were able to match them support support wise in Croke Park which I always think is a big thing as well you made as much noise as them when you scored sometimes the games were so bloody frantic that I often talk about it like I mean I'm at the I'm at the game watching it from the press box and I'm I'm kind of you know there's so much noise around and every turnover is either cheered or oh it's like a a huge drama unfolding like I mean how hard is it to keep your concentration there like you know when every every little it's the last 10 minutes and every mistake is either being cheered or you know 
Barrett will come out and win a ball and it's a massive cheer, almost like a score. And it's driving you back on. Like, I mean, it must have been an incredible experience and a, a difficult experience as well. Yeah, even when you're talking there about it, like, and literally the, the cheer is going over and over. <laughs> moments that would have happened. And it, as you said, it's just, the Mayo crowd, un- unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable, and especially in big games. Like, like you said, a turnover is nearly like scoring a goal. Like, you know, and yeah. the, the energy that would give you. I think Paul Flynn, I heard reference one time to one team, he used to hate the Mayo fans because they were the only team, or sorry, they were the only opposition fans that made it difficult for them in the fact that they were always nearly around the same amount of numbers and just for, for noise and whatnot. But like now, you probably didn't really appreciate it at the time because you're just, you're so involved in it and you're so involved in the, in the moment and obviously trying to win the games. But it's only kind of now when you look back on it and you think, geez, they were, okay, we didn't win them games that specifically you're talking about there, but they're absolutely magic, magic uh, events to be a part of, you know, something you would have dreamt of going up, you know. So even to be part of it was brilliant, obviously. You want to pick them up and you're on the side, but um, brilliant, brilliant days, just experience wise. What, what, what's your take on not being able to get over the line in all Ireland finals, Column? This is a difficult conversation, probably, to have, but like, you know, I remember when your team came along and the, all the talk was this is different, they're a new bunch of players, they're not bogged down in the, the other All Ireland losses. And you were a completely different team because you were, like, I mean, a very likable team in how hard you worked. You know, there was nothing fancy about you, you were just a very, very good footballing, hard working team. And then you got that baggage that the other team got over the course. And then two, three years ago, you know, the new lads came on and they didn't have the baggage and you're kind of hearing that this is a new team again and now they have two All-Irelands kind of lost so now they have some baggage. Do you know, like, how can you shake this off and like, what, what, you've been so close, you know, like, I mean, how, how is the baggage, does it weigh on you no matter, you know, how much you try not to let it, it you know, is it, is it a, men- do you think it is a mental thing after all those years? Look, it's a different question, difficult question to answer, Colum, to be honest. Uh, look, even going back to a first final that you referenced there, kind of 2012 and, and Donegal, um, that final probably came a year too soon for that team, though I think 2013 we were a far better team. I think Donegal yeah. was kind of just a year or two ahead of us in their, in their development, and especially the, the way they were playing at the time. We, we hadn't really come up against something like that before. But like I said, I think we're a far better team and developed into a far better team in 2013. Obviously, the problem for us is that so with Dublin. Dublin have even developed and grown on from, from what they were previous and, and obviously continued that development as well. So, look, it's a difficult question to answer. I think, you know, a lot of people say to you, well, if you'd won one maybe in 2013 or 12 and never was, you probably would have won two or three. You know, that, and that's a very easy thing to say, you know, but a very, yeah. very hard thing to do. It's something we'll never know, obviously, now. For the team now at the minute, they just literally just need to be concentrated on what they need to be doing. Like getting to an Ireland final is tough enough. So that's that's all they need to be concentrating on. It's definitely for the team now that I think they're playing goal first on the championships and that, that is just a mammoth, mammoth game for, for both teams. Like so that's all the boys now that's still involved, that's all they need to be worrying about. If if you get down that far and if you get the line to a to an Ireland final, then you can start maybe talking about how you're gonna prepare or how how you're gonna play it and the fundamental side of it and whatnot. But, but you reference it there, loads of opportunities, loads of missed opportunities, but you, uh, we've already kind of talked about Dublin and appreciate how good they were and they took the opportunities and they came about. 
Just like I mean, just the the final question on this is that like say Lee Keegan's goal goes in, um, that was sixteen or that was seven. I keep getting those yeah, know, those three games mixed up. Like yeah. you know, I think James McCarthy ran up and scored a, or scored a great uh, point. Like it was off the way out on the right and curled it back around. Like in that last ten minutes, I suppose, and it's on that point. If he had won one, you might have reacted differently to that goal it was almost like jesus we're ahead now you know whereas when you you're trying to get over that line maybe you would go into your shell or instead of kicking on you know you you don't and it was actually Dublin that kind of kicked on after that goal that was you know uh 10 minutes that and i suppose like it's not just you Dublin did it against Kerry in that uh drawn match as well where they were kind of gone out of that game too when Kerry got the goal and found they find a way Dublin i suppose but like i mean Maybe if you haven't won it in that last ten minutes, you're thinking shit rather than ah oh, we've we've done this before. Yeah, I suppose we probably mentioned it there a couple of minutes ago. They they found a way, and especially in the tough moments, they they always found a way and they found an answer. I suppose we talked about Lee's goal there, and I remember that one in, and the place just absolutely erupted when it goes in. And of course, you you, you know you would be thinking. If we can get the next score here, you know, win the next kick out, you know, I th- always think that's the key, especially a goal at that stage of the game, if you can win the next kick out and put the pressure straight back on them. But I think what you were saying there exactly happened. I think Dublin won the kick out and pretty much within within a minute or two kick the score and setting things back down again. And look, and they're literally the small things they're talking about, and especially in the big, big moments, they always suppose came up with the with the answers, you know, and that and, Really, really disappointing even to have to say that, but it's just the reality of the, of the situation. Yeah. Who did you not like marking? Fintan Gould, other than Fintan Gould. <laughs> just in general, is it? Yeah, just in general. Who did you go, oh, you know, just... Yeah. You, you don't like to admit that. You're the type of competitor yeah, that won't I, like to admit that. No, I'm okay. I'm happy enough to admit. No, like, Kieran Kenny was always, always really, really tough. Like, you know, anytime we picked him up, I think we actually picked him up in the end. 216 games that I was just talking about are definitely one of them and right like really really difficult you know for, for obvious reasons so elusive and frustrating because it gets on so much ball and brings you to certain areas of the pitch that you might necessarily want to go you know so yeah really really difficult um and then obviously look at anyone at the pace you know what I mean the pace is the one thing that you know any defender doesn't like you know like Darren Sullivan or someone like that that can actually get the ball and they're gone by it before you have a chance to get a hand on so yeah Exactly. One other one here. I have two more before before I let you go. I was talking to one of your teammates and I asked him, what will I, I ask uh, Colm about? And I was told to ask you about Galway. He fucking hates Galway. <laughs> I think I'm a fair idea of the teammate you're talking to. Ah, so, uh, uh, no, I, I like, I skate rivalry with Galway. My, my man's actually from Galway, so I would have spent most of my, my childhood there in summers and whatnot and up, up with relations and cousins, so... Living right on the border, obviously our club Dallas is right on the border there, Milltown in in Galway. So uh, great rivalry, and uh, yeah, look, I used to love the the Mayo Galway games growing up, going to as a supporter, and obviously play, getting a chance to play and then, and now obviously come back to being a supporter again. Yeah, you're lucky enough that you've such a big national rivalry, you know, in your own province. Like it's a famous rivalry, you know, and uh, I, I guess anyone that lives on the border of any rivalry, you know, is of that same opinion, you know would have a strong dislike for losing against them I suppose oh, absolutely yeah, absolutely and unfortunately from, from my side I think the start my record against them started fairly well and then we went on a, a bad a bad streak against Galway from around 2016 17 18 I think it was oh, yeah. two years in a row so that was really kind of 
disappointed from my from my side in putting us into the qualifiers, but uh, I finished on a on a decent decent win there on the kind of final thank you in full back. So not too bad yeah one one other one is this same teammate uh sent me a picture um of you and i'm sure you know the picture i'm talking about i can can put it up on the screen now i was i I nearly fell off my chair when i saw you uh, um basically bleach blonde hair (laughs) connor mortimer lookalike can can you explain this to us this doesn't go this doesn't go with your kind of hard man uh no-nonsense image uh, uh, yeah, as the honest <laughs> fellow, I, I can't explain that one. If, like if I seen if I seen a young fellow come into the dressing room now with that hairstyle, I'd be I'd be shaking my head at him. Um, I think I'm going for a mix there between David Beckham and Eric Cantona. I think we're kind of a colour up or whatnot. Which, uh, yeah, <laughs> it didn't last too long. I think I think I got a couple of weeks out of it and I, I shaved it off. Then I think. Well, I think it's from around 2004. I was thinking maybe a Conor Mortimer inspired um, inspired haircut. It's Manchester United um, inspired yeah. David Beckham. Well, actually, yeah, I was. I actually fancied myself as a bit of a forward back then in, in 04, 03, 04. I was, I was actually a forward in the minor squad, so maybe that was my uh, inspiration. <laughs> a lot of people are going to be very shocked that you were one of these fancy Mayo forwards. Like, I can't, I actually can't. Do you know if you still had that hair in 2012, Horan wouldn't want to know about you? These were the type of lads he was rooting out of Mayo football. Yeah, no, definitely <laughs> not. And like I said, if I'd seen one of the lads coming in with that, I would just like, oh, geez, no, no, he's not for me, but yeah. Yeah, thankfully with uh, with age, yeah, you you uh, get a bit of a bit of cop on, shall we say? I do, I do say you have dabbled with the white boots, though. If we're ta- if we're going down that road, oh yeah, no, I, that's one I'll definitely hold my hand up. To, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I even stuck with that right to right to our Ireland final day there in twenty twenty one. So they, the the white boots were with me all through the career. Yeah, so I think I think I was following Keith Higgins in in that regard. So yeah, yeah, I think you. I think you earned the right to wear white boots over the over the previous ten years, maybe. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think uh, as a defender, you're only one team in the way from uh, not being able to wear the white boots. So I got I got away with them most of the time. I think. <laughs> Come here, I let you go. What what are you still you're still playing football, anyways? You are. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, the body's in fairly good shape, so yeah, no, definitely playing for the club this year, hundred percent. So yeah, it's strange at the minute, kind of not back training and stuff with the with the county and intensity wise of, of what January is, you know, as you well know, it's a, it's a horrible yeah. month training wise getting ready for the National League. So yeah, at the minute just doing a bit of gym work and I'm looking forward to get back on the pitch maybe in the next month or two with the, with the club. Brilliant stuff, Colin. Well, listen, I won't keep you any longer. Thanks very much for giving us the, the national exclusive, maybe not the local exclusive. Um, we'll talk to you again. All the best with the club and congratulations on a brilliant career. Thanks a million, Colin, for a play. Yeah, great stuff from Colm there. What a gent and what a player. Um, Right, that's all we have time for today on Woolly Meats. Thank you very much for everybody uh, tuning in, continuing to support the podcast. And thanks very much to Benetti Menswear. uh, Featured stock lists can be seen if you go to benetti.ie. Good luck. Yeah, I've spoken to the players and uh, we've had a full and frank discussion and uh, we all agree that the uh, smaller fish guys are not just accredited clubs and their counties but to, to homo sapiens all over the world. Well, I want nothing to do with that podcast. Absolutely not. The smaller fish, not for me, no way. We're only the small little fish out there so we are and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. In the game.